1: Peace and good morning, world. Welcome to Foundation Radio. My name is Adam Bernard. It's been a minute. I'm so sorry to keep you hanging. Felt like a weird little intermission here, huh? Getting settled in Pittsburgh has been crazy, but I'm glad to be here. I promise. I won't say yins. I don't even say john. So we're good here. I promise. I promise. Today's guest is my dear friend, Nikki Doe. She's been a very popular cam model on Chatterbait, and I've always been fascinated by the sex industry, like I have music and any other industry that creates avenues for performers to make money. It's an incredible and eye-opening conversation that we have today, and we touch on a lot of really important stuff. I've been very excited to bring you this episode for a long time, and unfortunately, we were going to do this together in person, but with COVID-19 fucking up everything, we had to do this online. So, unfortunately, plans changed, pal, and we made the best of it. Okay, producer time, though. You get two producer's notes today. Aren't you lucky? First, and this is by far the most important part of this entire thing, some of you will probably know who Nikki Doe is from her personal life. This is not the time to out her or put her personal information on blast anywhere. I'm serious. Anyone that does that will catch a block from me so fast. This is really serious, though, for real. Sex workers are in danger all over this country, and to actively put someone I know and love in harm's way is a super fucked up thing to do. So if you know who she is, keep it to yourself and keep it fucking moving, okay? Second, we talk about a ton of graphic sex stuff today. If that kind of thing isn't your bag, it's probably best to just skip back to the archives and find something a little less blue. Okay, I lied. It's actually three. So you'll probably hear some outdated references in here because another shutdown happened. So I'm going to put some links to where to donate to any of the displaced bartenders, restaurant workers, or anybody else that needs assistance right now during this time. Okay, friends, if you're still with us, let's welcome Nikki Doe to the program. Nikki, thank you so much for coming to the show today. I really appreciate it. We've been talking about this for quite some time, and it's nice to finally uh, have you on the show. Uh, welcome. Welcome. I'm
2: very excited.
1: <laughs> I uh, So I guess first things first, we should probably lay some ground rules, which I kind of talked about in the intro already, but just to make sure we're all safe. Um, people will probably may or may not know who you are after we release this, <laughs> so I just want to make sure that we're really, really clear, you know, that people who may know you in circles (laughs) probably make sure they don't um, mention that, right?
2: (laughs) Yes. I think uh, for my own physical safety, it's best to just leave my legal information out of any comments or anything um, on this video.
1: Probably a good idea. Yeah. Any references to anything else? Yeah. Probably a good idea. I know it's kind of like it can be like not. I mean, I know we're laughing about it and all and It's kind of like goofy, haha, but like, I mean, it can be like really treacherous for you, right? Like, and people in your profession?
2: A hundred percent. I mean, I've been recognized at least three times on the streets in New York. Um, and thankfully, they don't approach me in the moment, but they. Um, <sighs> They'll send me a DM on Twitter afterwards and say where they saw me. And and it's a little unnerving. Um, I've had people come into my chat rooms and throw up uh, logos of bars that I used to work at. And all of these things would endanger my safety. Um, I'm at the point where I'm not really concerned about everybody knowing Nikki. I just don't want people that know Nikki to know where she works and all of that stuff
1: yeah that would be that would make me I can't even imagine like I've never had that happen to me before like I've been with people where you know like celebrities and oh yeah I know you but like I feel like your line of work is like way way different like have you had I mean other than that you haven't had any like serious like crazy folks coming up and stopping you or saying any kind of like weird shit or finding you finding like your personal stuff anywhere
2: uh not in person but definitely on the internet Definitely on Twitter, on in chat rooms. I've had uh, somebody created a Skype account and contacted me on my legal name, Skype, but they pretended to be two of our friends from back home, two different people. They used uh, photos and everything and uh, tried to have a conversation with me under the guise of being two of these people that were good friends of mine from back home. And that left me a little unnerved when I realized it wasn't them. So,
1: Yikes, wow. Yeah like serious doxing shit like that is that's next level and like guys are fucking weird as it is too like because i'm sitting here thinking about it and i'm like guys are just like <laughs> we're all just shit like we're just <laughs> like human beings like that the bottom of the fucking barrel and i can't even imagine like how scary that must be especially in a place like like new york i mean that's 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 a big deal, right?
2: Well, it was terrifying. And I contacted the uh, CFO of Chatterbait and I let her know what happened just in case, God forbid, a police report needed to be filed or things moved in that direction. But I have, um, I'm sure we'll get to this at some point, but I have a blog and one of my blog entries is all about exactly that, about this person. It's, It's the Hunter C. blog entry. And it's all about that. If anyone's curious about the scary stuff, <laughs>
1: yeah. and i think i think it's important too because it's like it's it's i think a lot of people in you know it's sex work or or in porn or anything like that like there's this innate danger about it because it, it, performers in general are are billed as something that they're not right or like they're present it's like acting and it just without clothes <laughs> like and, it, and it's a whole different world and and i think people get wrapped up in this idea of who they think people are and then not realizing like it happens a lot and you know i had a conversation with with my buddy paul who was on the show a couple weeks ago uh and we were talking about how we've been able to connect with certain celebrities and one of the things that he's really big on is like hey i'm uh, these people are just people right like it doesn't matter if it's bill goldberg or christopher lloyd or who whoever it is like they're just people and mm-hmm that's where i think there's a disconnect with a lot of people is this it's an idea but people get so entrenched in in this idea that like maybe because you're performing on a camera or because they've watched you that like you're into them and you know like it's that weird like mark david chapman kind of shit you know yeah really that must be really like
2: well that's that's only half of it. I mean, the other half of it is the fact that we are so stigmatized as an industry that people don't value our lives the way they value Christopher Lloyd or even yourself or, or myself as not a cam performer. It's, you know, the, the number of full-service sex workers that get murdered because people just have no problem thinking that they're just ridding the world of somebody who is a lech in society, which is just totally not true, is really scary. Really, really scary.
1: It's 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 like it is. There's a stigma about not just I, I think not just with sex workers. You know, we'll we'll get to that part. But like I think there's a stigma in this country overall about sex in general. Yes. I, people are comfortable talking about it, and I think people because of their uncomfortable like discomfort with it it becomes this really weird thing for people you know and like there there are so many people with so many uh, different like kinks or you know uh, fetishes or whatever you want to call it and and people suppress those things and i think this idea of toxic masculinity in our society is so prevalent that like that's why a lot of these things happen the way they do is because they have, they have to be so fucking macho you know And like yeah. I gotta be a man i gotta do this it's just like it's it's the stigma about it but like you know these guys are all watching your cam. They're all right. subscribing to porn on you know whether it's it's browsers or any of the other sites. Like they're all subscribing to this, and then they're like, "Oh, well, porn stars? Well, they're just whores." And it's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like you're paying to see this, or you're on Pornhub to watch this. Like they're not. I, it just it it, it there's the. The the double standard in this country about sex work in general is just it's it's fascinating. I think it's one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you is to try to help normalize that you know because there's it's 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 just it's just like everything else. It's just like going to work, you know.
2: Absolutely, and and honestly, you've known me for at least a decade, probably at this point. Mm-hmm. And do I fall into any preconception that you had about people that do sex work?
1: None, none. none. Not a single, not a single one, and I think that's again, it's like it's it's ingrained in your head from, you know, whether it's a societal thing or something that you've heard or something that you've read about. It's just like there, it's this idea they put they put sex workers in a bucket and they put them in this, you know, everyone's a whore, they're they're loose or they're this and they're they're disease, and it's like that's not it at all. It has nothing to, it just has no bearing on the actual. part of their lives or what they're doing and like I guess for me it's always fascinated to kind of talk to people about how they got into whatever world that they're in like what was the catalyst for you to get into sex work was I mean obviously like it probably wasn't something you thought about like 10 years ago but like you know it came up and it's obviously been successful for you so what happened it's actually kind of a ridiculous story Um, Uh, that's what the show is (laughs) feel free to dive in
2: so I was um, in the in the transition of moving uh, from home to Brooklyn, and um, I was bored. I had a lot of time on my hands because I preemptively quit my job, um, thinking that my house was going to sell a lot faster than it did. And I got in a conversation with someone about chat roulette, and they said, "Do you know that there's actually sites like chat roulette, but you can make money on them?" And I was like, "Yeah, exactly." I, I was very intrigued and not for the money making aspects of it i had no intentions of ever doing this to make money i was just like i wonder what this is because one of the biggest things about cam work that people don't know unless you're uh, a part of the community is that it's more than uh porn it is a community like a lot of these people come on there almost for like a social platform because you're engaging with models and other viewers and you just uh you build a, a really great network of people. Um, so I went on one night and I saw this boy who I thought was just the most gorgeous human being I had ever seen in my life. And the only way that you can get male models to pay attention to you as a female is if you've broadcasted and you have tokens. Otherwise, they just assume you're a guy pretending to be a woman.
1: Got it. Okay. So
2: I got very drunk one night and decided to earn some tokens because it was between jobs and I wasn't about to put a credit card in a sex site. (laughs) (laughs) Um, To this day, now we are five years later. He's my best friend and we travel to see each other cross country twice a year. Wow. Yeah.
1: Amazing. That is (laughs) And it just, it just sort of snowballed from there. Like when, how long did you, like, what was the time period from the time you started like with the tokens until you became like an actual, like on camera model?
2: Uh, I, that's like a loaded question because when I did it in the beginning, I just did it for fun. And I just did it to get tokens to make my friends spank themselves or to do stupid things on, on the site. <laughs> <laughs> I had no intention of ever doing it. Um, but then I, I got into a sticky situation with work. I was living in New York. I was living in uh, North Williamsburg, which is the most overpriced neighborhood in, in Brooklyn. I was paying $1,700 a month for my bedroom. Um, so I started.
1: $1,700 for just a bedroom. Sorry, 1675 Oh, my. Yeah. I heard stories about Brooklyn being like this, but I didn't realize that it was like legit like that. Like, yeah. Just just humor me for a second. I know we're going to go into the woods here, but like, <laughs> how big of a bedroom are we talking about for fucking
2: $1,600? Um, I mean, it was pretty big. It was smaller than the room I'm in now, which I'm only paying 1300 for. The room I'm in now is palatial, but I don't want to show you because it is a shithole at the moment because I just got back from vacation and right into work.
1: You can see literally behind me a house. is full. Okay, of-
2: fair. fair. I'll show you my... Oh, I can't. I have that fancy green screen thing. I can't even show you. <laughs> I'm just in a white cave. So um <laughs> anyway, I needed to make some extra money and one of my girlfriends that I had become friendly with on Chatterbait was like, You should start actually camming for tokens. So I guess I was doing it for about a year for fun. And then when I started to do it, I went probably within two months, I went from like fourteen thousand followers to like thirty. It just snowballed really, really fast.
1: Wow. And do you think it had, I mean, obviously, like, you know, what do you think that attributed to? Because I, I feel like even with social media influences, I know even with this podcast, it's been, it's been very difficult to sort of like break above some things just because you have to be different yeah. and you have to have some sort of presentation. Was there something that you did that helped you gain followers or was it just from the presentation itself? Not the way to say it, but you know what I mean? Like, was it just the presentation, you know? No, I think it was
2: the lack of the presentation. Really? So yeah i think that's what i did differently so for that first year i absolutely did like despicable shit on the internet for very little money and just for fun because it was almost like a kink at that point you know what it wasn't it wasn't a business it was just let's have fun um and then when i decided to make money i realized the less you show the more you make and the more interest you get so here i am on a website of all these thumbnails i'm a plus-size girl sitting in pajamas while there's buttholes and vaginas all over the people are like, what is this? Why are there so many people in this room? And then they would go in and then just get caught up into conversation, which comes from 20 plus years of bartending.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I I can't even like, I I can't even imagine again, I I guess it's a lot like being on, Instagram or or, tw- or Twitter, just finding all of these accounts and different things. And there's mm-hmm. probably something on there for everybody. So that's, that's, I feel like not doing a lot would definitely set you aside. And I mean, how, yeah. ta- how long did it take you to like really hit that next level where it was like, okay, now I'm, now I'm rocking here, you know?
2: Uh, by the time I made it to the next apartment. So it was probably like a year later, I was living in a much cheaper apartment. Uh-huh. Um, and I had some shows where I like... Granted, it would be 10 hours of sitting on the computer, but at my house, like, what's the big deal? I would have some days, and one day, I'd have other days where I'd make 250. So there is no like rocket necessarily because every day is different, just like bartending. You know, you never know what to expect. I got nominated for the first award that I was nominated for. I was, that was the moment where I was like, holy shit, when did this happen? (laughs) so and then i I was nominated for a a why not award it's um an event that goes on in hollywood and i was one of the top five funniest models across the cam community um and then i got an AVN. to in my defense i did kind of like run a little campaign to try to get nominated for the funniest model just because i thought it'd be hilarious because i'm the half-assed cam whore and like nobody deserves a nomination less than i do um (laughs) But I got one, and it was a great experience. Um, And that was August. That following January, I was nominated for favorite cam girl for the AVN Awards.
1: Wow, that's a big fucking deal. (laughs) I know. That's an AV. I mean, that's that's a that's a big fucking deal. (laughs) Yeah,
2: and I didn't campaign for that. That that just came out of nowhere. So that I think was probably the moment when I realized I need some of this.
1: Wow, that is. I mean, that must have been. That must have been. like how did how like when you went there what was what were the avns like Now was i should say was it an avn pre-covid or post-covid or during covid uh uh,
2: mm, that's a tough question because we have the avn flu every year is what they call it
1: now what is the avn flu explain that (laughs)
2: because it's different (laughs) um for real models, a lot of them take advantage of these uh, conventions and expos to film content together, which circles back to what you said earlier with the stigma of um, sex workers just being riddled with STDs. I don't know anybody that's tested more than sex workers.
1: I remember reading something on Twitter, maybe it was about five or six years ago, there was some, I don't know if he was in gay porn or straight porn, but he had like infected a bunch of people or exposed people to mm-hmm. some hepatitis or something and didn't tell anyone and like people lost their shit. It's
2: very self-policing, which I think is really awesome. In fact, there are times because since I'm a mostly non-nude model and I don't film content with other people, I don't get tested before these events because I use them as kind of like a chastity belt so that I don't hook up with anybody. (laughs) Because that's not what I'm going there for. I'm going there to see my friends. But if I don't have that paperwork within the last two weeks before the trip, no one's going to touch me anyway, which is fine.
1: Now, when you decided, now when you decided on like Chatterbay, because I know there's there's like a bunch of different sites that you can go to. Like I said, there's sort of something for everybody. How did you end up deciding on that particular one?
2: Uh, I honestly have no idea. <laughs> I just I went in and I felt comfortable with it. Um, We all like to overuse GIFs or or whatever you want to call them in our text messages. Chatterbait's chat room allows you to use them as well. And I feel like I was just kind of comfortable there i've definitely gone to other sites i don't mm. understand them
1: <laughs> is that is that more of like a financial thing or is it just more because i'm I'm always like again I, i'm always curious about things like i'm always reading about like you know um how the music industry works with payouts or even like pro wrestling how it works with like downside guarantees like how does that work like comparatively if you were to look at like just to take chatterbait right or take another like large platform like i yeah. don't Made or live Jasmine or one of those, how do they compare to each other cut wise for a model on that site?
2: Um, I couldn't tell you current statistics. I just know from when I started, um, Chatterbait had the best payout. It was 50 50. Mm. So um, every token is valued at 10 cents. I get 10, the company gets 10. Um, I know things have kind of shifted over the last five years since I got into the industry. I honestly haven't really checked them out because I I kind of really enjoy being exclusively Chatterbait. Right. Um, and, I, and I think part of the reason is Chatterbait allows tip reactionary toys and some of the other sites don't allow that.
1: Right, right. Um, that, and, that's when somebody would give you like a token and then it would activate like a, you know, like a vibrator or some kind right, of – Right, right. Yeah. Right,
2: right. But since I'm not showing you anything, it's a way to get you to interact with me still. Do you know what I mean? So it works for me in that.
1: You're not showing the full kitten caboodle, right? As you've done a lot of research on this before our conversation, so I, I feel very versed on this. On. <laughs> I guess that's always a, kind of been curi- uh, like a, a curiosity of mine just to learn about the industry and, and just the financial metrics of this because I feel like, I mean, again, it's, there, there could be things that are predatory about these sites and just, you know, have you, it doesn't seem like Chatterbait is like that at all. It seems like they really, really pr- performer friendly.
2: I've had an amazing experience working with Chatterbait and, uh, and whenever we go to events, they take really good care of us with taking us to dinner um, VIP lounges with open bars for just us They're, I mean, they're good. I mean, I'm sure it's not a big deal if I say it, even though it hasn't been released yet, but I just filmed a mental health video for them that they, they, the CFO reached out to me and asked me to contribute because they teamed up with a company called pineapple support, which is uh, a mental health company for the adult industry. So the fact that she knows who I am and she reached out to me, I felt very flattered by it.
1: That's awesome. And I, yeah. I, that is something that that is prevalent in that industry, I'm sure how difficult is it for people with their mental health and that is that like what's how di- how what so, like
2: I think that the the stigma the expectation is that we come into it with mental health or we come into it against our mental health issues I should say, or that we come into it against our will and I think that that's just not true. There are absolutely situations like that like in my blog it says right right uh right in the beginning um that my parents have both passed away and that's not why i show my tits on the internet i show my tits on the internet because my parents have passed away and they'll never see it like the difference you know there's a total difference there right and um can i say that is that okay uh, yeah absolutely
1: <laughs> <laughs> you could say literally this is an open forum you could say whatever all
2: right, good i was like oh we're talking about sex work but i said tits it's all right but i do think i think that um that is an issue but i think the bigger issue is that since people are treated so also like lepers in some communities that uh, substance abuse and suicide are growing um, presences I, I don't know how to explain it like it's a it's a it's an epidemic almost within the industry and I think a lot of it is coping um, and not that they entered it with these addictions or these depressed thoughts I think that the cyberbullying that comes I mean the things that I've seen on Twitter that people say to people is just
1: I can't even imagine. I know that like, again, like I, I, I compare it to different things that I pull from, but like I, I, I saw something earlier. There's a, uh, a, a big pro wrestling freak as pretty much anybody would know. <laughs> um, I saw somebody that was talking about um, one of the female wrestlers in one of the, one of the, uh, sort of lower end companies not lower end but like as not as famous but impact one of their champions and it was like oh this woman will be great if she like lost 30 pounds or did squats and you know she would be super hot because her face is so beautiful it's like dude like who the fuck are you to be making comments like i guess it's it's sort of like the the gift and the curse of social media in some aspects and twitter specifically because you're able that's (laughs)
2: pool yeah it
1: is and it's like you're able to just like create this yeah uh almost like an avatar and yeah. it, and it's 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 also not to not to get to politics or anything but like it's a lot of reasons why like what mike tyson said like the internet's created or something maybe it was mike tyson or somebody else was like the internet has just created uh, an avenue for people to say shit without having to worry about getting punched in the mouth you know and it's like people just say really yes shit on yeah twitter. i see the worst stuff on twitter i see the worst stuff on youtube and it's like no wonder people's mental health is so yeah f- country and I know across the world is because people have to read crap like this Yeah, and nobody's, you know, like nobody, who the fuck asked you for your opinion?
2: And I deal with it in a way that probably isn't the healthiest way to deal with it, but it's the most fun for me. And that's just trolling them right back. One of the reason I think that I get as many followers as I do is because if a troll comes in and they're like, Oh, what's this fat girl doing on this website? I'm like, uh, I mean, but you're watching me in your mom's basement with Cheetos dust on your dick. So really, who's worse in this situation? You know, and then they end up like enjoying because they just wanted to see how I would react. Most of it is to be reactionary. The only people that I can't stand that I do like to just mess with are the swerfs on Twitter. The, the What's a swarf? Uh, sex work, exclusionary, radical feminists.
1: Oh, yeah. So they're like a turf, right?
2: I guess they think that we're all damaged by men and men have ruined us. And that's why we use foul language and show our bodies on the internet.
1: And so, so what happens in those, in those types of situations? Like, what are some, what are some examples of things that you've heard from, from a SWERF?
2: Somebody said something about, um, How dare, like sex workers comparing, saying sex work is real work is such a joke. Uh, It's like saying fisting your asshole is the same thing as being a barista at Starbucks. And I responded to it with like, do you know how hard it is to fist your own asshole? Like there takes more skill to do that than to make a, a frappuccino. And then they started to kind of tear into me with misinformation with each other. And I switched, it. this is going to sound awful, but the one woman was like, oh, asshole, that's, you say, you say words like asshole, men really have ruined you, haven't they, sweetheart? And I was like, shh, you got to keep it down or my captor's going to hear you. Like, I just mess with them because it's like, <laughs> I don't know. They're just, they, they, they think that we're all, um, have you seen the, uh, the Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt?
1: Yes, actually, Courtney is watching it right now. It's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> She's literally watching it right now. Yeah.
2: Well, they think we're all bunker women.
1: Got it. Okay. That makes, which is totally like accurate, complete, like totally. It's just fucking ridiculous. (laughs) Like, like I just, again, it's the stigma, right? Like it's the stigma of, uh, I guess, again, it comes back to this idea of like, the control of of women like sort of historically in this country right yes are not allowed to do what they want to do with their bodies and they can't be outwardly sexual or otherwise they are a whore right or like again i keep referencing back to things that i've talked about on the show before which all episodes are available in the archives right now it's like i had a conversation with a um a guy named drew Kerwood; he's a friend of mine from years ago and he works with fraternities and sororities about um sex education and it really is it's like imagine like if i were to to go onto a campsite or if i was a a, a porn star and i you know fucked three women it'd be like oh man yeah adam dude you're the fucking man and you did the other but it's like you know but if Nikki Doe's on camera you know blowing three guys it's like oh man what a fuck she has, or she's she got has daddy issues a daddy she's got this she's got that but like it, it's sort of it's a double-edged thing because like you're stigmatized but also like people are still watching you blow three dudes and it's yeah. It's 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 this very weird like dichotomy and it, like I I think it does it boils down to not just the stigma of um you know sexualized women I mean we could even talk about WAP the song WAP right like you could talk about how people freaked out about Cardi B and it's just like this is this is just an expression that women have not been able to use like I, I don't know It's just it, does that make sense it's like this
2: it does but it's but the problem is that you 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 just said something and I don't know if you actually realize the magnitude of what you said. It's not just, uh, men, it's women as well that fall into this pattern of judgmental behavior. And unfortunately, um, it's a bipartisan issue as well. Yes. Because you get, for example, um, some people, I, this is such a fucking trigger for me and I, and I'm, I'm going to do my best to keep my cool.
1: The forum is yours. yours. So,
2: um, Only in the last few years, since uh, sesta Fasta turned out to be just such a train wreck, um, that there are some politicians that are talking about being pro-sex work. And one of them that i like to reference, just to show how slimy all politicians are, is Elizabeth Warren. People think Elizabeth Warren is so great because she changed. Now, mind you, Elizabeth Warren is one of the original... um, what do they call it, when, they, when she and Marco Rubio like co-signed a bill to, to basically say sex workers weren't allowed to hold bank accounts or hold mortgages or do any of this stuff. So um, there was such a pushback that now she's all, I'm pro-sex work, I'm pro-sex work. I, follow the Nor- I support the Nordic model. But if you research what the Nordic model is in sex work, say I'm an escort and you're my John and we get arrested, I don't get in any trouble, but you go to prison. That's not decriminalizing sex work. That's still criminalizing sex work. It's just again making me look like a victim.
1: Right, you're taking the you're taking the impetus off of, you know, and again, you're taking the unnecessary criminalization off of the female or right. male and right. on the john whether it's a, you know, john or, or Jill rather, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And it it that doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. Like no. what well, that that like it's defeating the purpose completely. It's actually making I feel it- like that's the cl-
2: It is. And I feel like that's the closest we've gotten so far with a potential presidential candidate that was willing to have that conversation. And it wasn't good enough.
1: I don't think I've heard either Biden or Trump say anything about either of that at this point. I haven't. I think. And again, it's it's one of those things where it's like it's like uh, it's almost viewed as like an underground thing. Right. Like, ooh, decriminalization of sex work and decriminalization of marijuana and like all of these things that are considered like the counterculture. Yeah with the times here like if i feel like if we were to to completely uh, like legalize uh, you know legalize sex work and and take the the criminalization out of it 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 would i feel like it would start to like resolve some of those issues you know what i mean like some of the criminal issues not just that 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 happened to people but what happened to people like in putting them in danger you know what i mean right right so so i i just i don't know
2: it's well it's a mess and I, I don't want it legalized i just want it decriminalized because once you legalize it then they will the government can put so many regulations on things and it could still be the same thing right like no anal no gay interactions no anything and i, I don't want the government so involved
1: because you know the southern states are going to fucking decriminal or they're going to they're going to outlaw gay sex right. almost immediately so
2: but the but the other problem is that right now they're lumping sex workers in with this whole safe movement or whatever you want to call it which i understand this first of all this child sex trafficking thing
1: um you're talking about QAnon, aren't you oh no
2: no 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 but but like yes it's a thing there are unfortunately children that get sex, tra- sex trafficked. there are people that get sex trafficked, but it's not the way that they're putting it out there you're not a 15 year old girl or a 12 year old girl walking down the street getting thrown into a trunk of a car at franklin mills mall or something you know what i mean you're most sex trafficking situations are uh, a woman being coerced by her boyfriend into doing cam work or to doing escorting. It's usually like someone they know, you know. Um, the problem now,
1: oh, for abuse, sexual abuse anyway, is it's most times it's someone that and you know in your home and you trust. Right, right, right.
2: So. What's happening now is that they're lumping all these laws in and um, like, so FOSTA-SESTA did away with Backpage and Tumblr, the porn on Tumblr and all that. And the number of black trans women that have been murdered has skyrocketed. And the reason is because they're no longer able to vet their johns anymore because they've made it illegal for them to have posts on Backpage. They've made it illegal. All those sites have to be uh, really hidden. Um, and now with the Earn it Act, possibly being passed, it's even more fucked. Everyone's even more screwed because encryption is basically gone when the EARNED Act goes through.
1: I was just going to say, tell me tell me a little bit more about that in case anybody, any of the people who are listening aren't familiar with it.
2: So the EARNED Act, um, where it stands right now is if you have something like Photon Mail where it's completely encrypted and nobody can hack into it, allegedly, everything is going to have a backdoor for the government now because they want to make sure people aren't selling children. So once you add this backdoor, you give any brilliant hacker access to that door so now all these people that have all your all your information is going to be out there everything no nobody will be able to have anonymity where in some cases it's beneficial but for a woman that has a many vids site somebody can go in and find out where she lives find out her bank information Um, and so it's all under the guise of saving the children and I I feel like it's so stupid because if the Hoover Dam has a leak, you fix the leak. You don't get rid of the water in the whole world. Right. And that's what they're doing.
1: Well, I feel like these these issues are not like (sighs) – They're not one and the same right, like they exist almost parallel to each other, but you're lumping everything together and it's just making it's just making a um, almost like a mountain out of a molehill in some ways you know not to not to downplay you know obviously the very real i mean like look at something like Jeffrey Epstein i mean that shit is fucking real, but like uh, you're you're targeting the wrong things like you said i think that's a, that's a fantastic analogy uh about the hoover dam but i i i, I just i don't like what it like why is it that so many black trans women are being like why are they specifically being targeted
2: because in the in the white cis male world it's one of the most taboo embarrassing fetishes that could exist but it's also one of the greatest fetishes so again it goes back to what we said earlier about the value of a hooker or the value of a cam worker or the value of a dominatrix isn't the same as people value themselves. They think that everybody's lower than them and they maybe have a hard time accepting this fetish and their reaction is to just be violent. And I I mean, and it's not saying definitely not only black trans women are getting murdered. A lot of full but service sex workers are
1: disproportionately being they're being murder, murdered in larger numbers p- proportional to the, sort of a larger scope and, and size
2: right i i that i don't know for a fact i know at least over their own numbers so where they were where their numbers were five years ago six years ago seven years ago it's much greater now
1: and these things are just going to make it way worse and and much more difficult for them to sort of keep themselves safe
2: well, right. And you could say, well, then don't do it. Right. But there are a lot of survival sex workers. There are a lot of women and men that need this to pay their bills. Right. That um, They're not all lucky. Like, I'm very lucky that I get to do it for fun. I have a job that I love, um, but I work in Manhattan as a bartender during COVID. So I don't know if I'm going to be home again for another 115 days.
1: Oh my god, COVID in Manhattan as a bartender. You really you really won the won the roll of dice there.
2: Yes, yeah, it's been it, lovely.
1: I love the idea of being able to talk to people and being able to like normalize the idea of not just like having like kind of awkward conversations with people about sex in general, but just like just about normalizing the way we talk about sex workers. And I think that's something big that you're starting to start now. Tell me a little bit more about how you found your voice in that conversation.
2: So I don't travel well with other people. I like to have my own space. Um, I like to go to these events around 300 people and then go back and have my own hotel room and just be by myself. And with that comes a lot of the in and out of my room, people coming and hanging out because there's not a roommate that they have to worry about bothering or anything like that. Um, And one day I was in Denver, it was probably 2017. We were there for Exotica. There were three models in my room we were sitting in my room and just shooting the shit just having a conversation like you or i would have nothing to do with sex work just a regular conversation and clark said people would pay money to hear this conversation to be a fly on the wall in this hotel room right now and i and it was kind of like a light bulb went off and i thought i need to come up with a project Uh, To do just that, where I want to have a regular shoot the shit podcast, kind of like like what you're doing, where it's not one general theme. It's just different episodes with different people. But I want them to all be sex workers because I want to show people that sex workers have the same concerns about, well, I'm not doing politics because sex work in itself is polarizing enough. And I think if you add politics into it, unless it um, targets sex work specifically directly. um, Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think though, but like they have the same likes of going to the movies and, you know, dating issues that we have. Like everybody everybody's the same. And I had a project in the works, um, but it's been put on the back burner for a little bit because my partner's doing some charity work and felt like it might be a conflict of interest to have her voice in the both both puddles. So I and I respect that. Yeah, fair. Um so so what I'm trying to do now is I'm building I'm trying to build out a brand where instead of being NYC girl, I want to be Nikki Doe and I want to be, I don't want to be a cam girl. I want to be Nikki Doe that does cam work, if that makes sense. So I've been streaming on Twitch. I have another project that I'm working on called The Whiskey I Should Have Drank. It should be out probably around the same time this is going to Be airing. I would think my first episode, Um, and it's basically going to be advice to my younger self. I'm very excited about it. Um, I actually came up with I came with an idea with uh, my friend Billy, and I were just chatting. And I like to separate artists from the art sometimes when there's some people that have done some questionable things because I'm going to get canceled someday. I know that (laughs) so. I think Louis C.K. is one of the most brilliant screenwriters I've ever seen. Um, I'm not talking about his stand up, I'm talking about his TV shows. Um, if you have not seen on Hulu, there's a show called Horace and Pete's. I highly recommend you check it out. It's one of the greatest casts I've seen. So it's him, Alan Alda, Edie Falco, Jessica Lang, um, Steve Buscemi. It's a great, great show. And it's very real and dark. I don't know if you've seen Shrill. Shrill is um, a Hulu show. It's 80 Bryant from Saturday Night Live. She created it. And I think, and same with like better things, they all are very real. And to the point where they're almost uncomfortable to watch because it feels so real. And I think that we need more of that. I think that there's too much negative out there and too much rose colored glasses filtered fake out there, where we need more of something in the middle. And I want someone to hear my stories and my anecdotes and feel less alone instead of feeling depressed because they're like, oh, look, Nikki's in Denver again, or she's in Las Vegas, her life is so great. No, my life is shit and I'm gonna tell you what makes my life shit so that you don't feel so bad about your shit life.
1: I constantly, I constantly talk to people about that all the time. It's like, oh man, you're married and you have three kids and you hang out with the jackass guys. It's uh, it's like, yeah, man, but I'm fucking depressed as hell all the time. Like I got money issues, you know, like I'm literally moving to another city, like on the wind drop of a dime for another job. And like, like my life is fucking crazy. It is not fucking sunshine and rainbows. Right i feel like again like kind of tying back to what we were talking about with the idea of social media and the avatar i mean we all have created avatars on facebook posting just the good shit that happens in our life he yeah. sees the shit that happens there today you know nobody sees the the meltdowns that my 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 son on the spectrum has nobody sees the the, the arguments that my wife and i have about god knows what like it's just yeah it's the life that's the ugly grittiness of life and i feel like people have like kind of forgotten about that. And they yeah. it's just like a fantasy in their head about what your life is like. But yeah. Yeah.
2: And that's what I want to do. And I, I know from, from my perspective, or not my perspective, from maybe your perspective looking in at me and when I hear this a lot, especially when I go home, you and I have had this conversation multiple times that leaving that area was one of the best things.
1: I can tell you right now that I would not have done anything in my life Nothing, not this podcast, not going to school in Westchester, not moving to Pittsburgh. I would not have done anything if I would have stayed where we were because it was so toxic and so dark. And it's like it literally is the epitome and definition of small town people don't leave they marry each other and they stay stuck in their worlds and that's not to say that like everybody is like that but you and i know it's pretty much like 80 to 85 percent of those people have never left their bubble right like they think that going to you know town up north is like a vacation right (laughs) to denver they've never actually explored new york city right they've never been to los angeles they've never left their bubble and they insulate themselves in their echo chambers. And like, yeah, I mean, we both, I consider us both lucky. And people that are in our circle that have left, I consider us lucky because we've been able to see outside of that lens. We've been able to move away and change our lives for the better.
2: Well, and I also think on a, on a more basic level, just being around the people that I grew up with. You know That in itself keeps you down, right? It keeps you so hung up on how these people are perceiving you that have known you for so long. And when I moved to New York City, every day I become a little bit more and more Nikki. And the reason is because Nikki is who I am, and I was always afraid to be. Right right? Because I was always the girl that was running the sports bar or the the best friend that was good enough to make out with behind closed doors, but not admit it in person. Or, you know, like all sorts of awful, awful toxic shit happens to me back home. And I was treading water and didn't realize that it wasn't okay.
1: Right. You know, I've never heard a sentence that, that uh, like defined my life more than just that. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I didn't know I was unhappy until I was happy. Yeah. And I was like, holy shit. I came here and I lost 60 pounds right. from the time I moved to New York. I mean, I, I, love, I love, it'll always be home. I love all of my friends that I still keep in touch with back there because there are people that are comfortable in that life. And that's great. It just wasn't for me. And I don't think it was for you. And, yeah. and they're the same people that I don't think could wear our shoes for a day either, you know?
1: There, I mean, I, I went, I actually just saw a buddy back home. Uh, I just came back from that a little bit ago. And, and I, last weekend I went to visit another buddy that I've known for, he's my best friend. He's was my, my, uh, my best man in my wedding. I was his best man. I got nothing but love for those yeah. guys. I always will. And I will drop literally everything to go and see them because that's just who I, that's just who I am. Yeah. And that relationship is, but there are a lot of cats back home that I would be happy if I never saw again. Yeah. You know? <laughs> that's like it just, it just wasn't for me. And I, I feel like, again, like I used to hear that all the time when I, like when I would be hanging out with, you know, the, the, the jackass guys or the MTV guys. Oh, okay. Mr. Hollywood, you know, like, oh, you're showing off this. It's like, no, I'm, I'm, first of all, I'm not. First of all, you have no idea what my life is like. So go fuck yourself and blow it sideways out your ass. But also, too, like, I am happy yeah. I'm living this life. I'm living my life mm-hmm. for me now instead of for my ex or for right. whatever idea that you had of me. Yeah. I'm happy now, and I and I love that. I, it's, it's just like it's. I finally was be able to be like you said. I was able to be the person that I knew was in here. Yeah. I never allowed because I was afraid of people judging me. You know, like yeah. you know, and it's like, what the fuck did I wait so long for? But yeah. Well, Go ahead. Let me tell
2: you that when I got outed back home.
1: God. Yeah. Well, that's I was going to bring up next was be. Being- <sighs> Uh, You know, back home, um, what's, ah, like, how did that make you feel? Was it, I would imagine it was probably, like, pretty fucking terrifying, right? Like, was it weird or was it scary or was it like, like, what happened?
2: It was a, a day that one hand of me wants to never relive again, but the other half thinks it was the greatest thing that, greatest day I've ever had. Um, one of our friends was up in New York visiting um a twin that owns a bar that we all go to back home um and he was sitting next to me watching an eagles game, <laughs> so you know who all right, so he 's sitting next to me.
1: talk about yeah,
2: but he has been my friend since we were like ten years old. you know what I mean so i couldn't have imagined
1: i don't think he's very happy with me right now because he unfriended me on Facebook after everything happened in the city a couple weeks back, okay. The, yeah i mean i guess we lean kind of politically different which is fine. Yeah. That's, that's totally on him and and you know i wish him nothing but the best but i i didn't i personally did not instruct anyone in antiva uh to to hurt you know your windows at the bar <laughs> it was a sensitive i didn't have my antiva library card that day on me so you know it's a whole thing but yeah oh, good time good timing Oh shit, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it was perfect. But yeah, no, I I, no. you know, it is what it is. I had, It was
2: a it was a sensitive time for a lot of people, I think, and a lot of different
1: Yeah. And I get it too. I you know, I mean, it's like it's it's I uh, totally off topic here. I know it is. I'll probably cut <laughs> out. But like, yeah, I mean, I I was like kind of shocked. Like I was like, dude, I didn't fucking like just because I view this differently than you, like I'm not like I'm not actively advocating for your business. Right. Shit, man. Like cool. yeah, 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 yeah. Adult, I up. get
2: it. I totally get it. He came up to watch an Eagles game we're hanging out at the bar and I got a text message from one of my oldest friends saying that somebody was going around the bar that I used to manage, showing pictures and videos of me that they had found on the internet. Now mind you, I have our home state blocked. So I had everything blocked and you'd have to really dig deep to find me. You'd have to have VPNs, you'd have to like know what you're looking for. Uh, And it turned into... The most panicked feeling I ever had in my life. We were sitting at a table with five other people and I just was crying hysterically. Now he's known because most of my friends did about Nikki. Like that was not a secret with the people that I was close to. I just wasn't ready to put it out there to the Pennsylvania people because I didn't want A to be judged because people are bored and they gossip and that's all it is.
1: Especially at home.
2: Oh yeah. Yeah. The other reason is when you're non, when you're mostly non-nude on a sex site, your personality has to be what sells you, right? And I felt like if people I knew back home were watching me, I would change that personality and revert back into my old ways. And I didn't want that; it would have been bad for my money. So I kept it very secret. Um, so long story short, I got ahead of the bullet, and I went right on my social media and my personal social media, and I outed myself. Um, and the amount of love and support that I received is mind blowing that's, mind blowing I
1: know. that's amazing. i think
2: I think within three hours, I had like two hundred and thirty comments on the status, all supportive
1: that's amazing, and I guess that was that had to feel like a relief for you like that had yeah. to be like a huge burden off of your chest at that point
2: it was. I can't, I can't even describe how good it felt to not have to feel like I was living three lives anymore. Now I just live two, but (laughs) it was, it was, it was happy tears by the end of the night. And I think I ended up just getting shit face drunk. And
1: that's the, that's the best way to celebrate anything is to get shit face drunk. I would imagine. Yeah. Especially with one of those guys. Um, So (laughs) I guess overall, would you say that sex work, cam work has like made your life better
2: oh yeah not even a question
1: and how many and like in and in what measurable ways has it done so
2: um on the basic level the the confidence that i've gotten like i mentioned earlier i was the girl that was you'd get drunk and fool around with behind closed doors and whatever and i thought that was all i deserved i thought that's who i was and i accepted that um I mean, I know like you've, you've done so much work on your own like health and self-improvement. So you, I'm sure have also struggled with the same dark thoughts that I struggled with, you know? Every
1: single day, especially right now in COVID, like I, it's, it's hard because it takes me to dark places. Yeah. I don't, I don't like feeling like that, you know? I don't like losing that, like losing that part of me, but it
2: yeah. depends. But what you have to realize is that superficial people give a shit about that stuff. Like, Courtney probably thinks you're gorgeous no matter what you look like. You know what I mean?
1: She, she really hit the lottery right here. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but seriously, though, because I feel like even just dating in New York City, people don't – they're not so hung up on what their friends think. They just live for themselves. They're too busy to live for themselves. Or they're too busy living for themselves, I guess I should say. So I think the confidence on that to feel attractive and to just – you feel attractive, it makes you feel confident. That's just, I mean, basic. Um, also, the friends that I made through the community are the most unbelievable people. Like, I love you guys. I love my friends, my 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 vanilla friends. I love them. Um, but there's just something about having a friendship with someone that you've seen naked. And by that, I mean, how much more vulnerable can you be? Yeah. You know, yeah. it's a connection that like if if you got naked right now, it would make me very uncomfortable. But if my friend Jaden or another hat tricks or one of my other friends from the camp community walked into my bedroom naked, I wouldn't even flinch because it's just, it's, it's desensitized in a sense, you know, it's not,
1: I don't know. I get what you say because it's like, it's, 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 it's a different context, right? Like it's work, but it's also like, now you know it's like oh man he's naked again you know what i mean like there obviously there would be no reason for me to get naked right now unless i you know like if you're going to put up that cash app handle i that's actually a great idea you can hit me up at adam takes <laughs> no i mean it's just like i i i get it like it's it's it there's something that is like i can talk to courtney about things that i've never talked about to anybody before right yeah. and like my relation like my conversations i i have really you know i, I can talk to pretty much anyone about anything, but like, I feel like I'm at my most vulnerable vulnerable with people that I've slept with because in me in a way that only a a select group of people have, you know, and it's like, it breaks a huge layer of ice with people. And yeah, I mean, I, I totally get that. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And it's, it's pretty, I don't know. It's pretty invaluable. And it's to the point where I'm so into this because of the community that I, it's hard for me to date because people don't accept it. You know, I was gonna, but I'm
1: be difficult. Yeah, it,
2: it is. I mean, I I like. Trust me, I get by. It's fine, but it's not. It's not.
1: <laughs>
2: it's fine, um, but it's.
1: Okay. Yeah.
2: But I definitely see guys where I think, oh, they're too Catholic and too well-bred that I'm not even going to waste my time because they're not going to be comfortable with it, you know, or, or whatever, but I won't give up this life for somebody It's too much. There's too much good that's come from it and independent of the financial freedom that comes from it. Uh, And if, like I said, if my new project does what I expected to do, I'm hoping to be a really good voice to help the community. And that to me, uh, giving up my privacy like this, doing this interview with you was, definitely like a shaky thing for me coming into this
1: i was gonna say because i know we've been talking about it for months like we definitely talked about this pre-covid and i remember you sort of sending me some of the earlier cuts of like, you know, Wicked City women. And I was like, damn, this is like, I would listen to this because like, I don't, you know, I'm not one of those guys that's like, oh man, yeah, I went out and I banged this chick the other night. But like, if I'm talking to my friends or something and we're talking about different things that happen in our day and it's like, if I was dating, like, yeah, of course, that's what I'm going to talk about. Like, that's what normal people talk about, right? And I feel there's something so connective about the way that you did that And it was like, damn, like, yeah, I totally right. Like this is definitely something I can relate to. And I feel like that's what sets you aside with that, that, that material. And I feel like your blog is going to really do the same thing because it is, it's, it's allowing that personal light of yours to shine and, and utilizing your tools in a way that's going to help other people
2: yeah and that's the goal i i know it sounds silly but you know it's easier to be nikki than it is to be myself and uh i showed a friend of mine the video that i had made for chatterbait about the mental health stuff and he said that's wild because i'm looking at it and i know it's you and it's you but it's not you it's such a much more confident you and it allows me to nikki can do anything she really can because she doesn't care about what other people think and i have to remind myself that doing this interview with you I'm opening that door that I'm going to be judged by you people. And I don't really care because I don't expect it to be that much of a pushback because of the amount of support and love that I got when I first came out as a cam model. So uh, this is my I guess this is my coming out party.
1: (laughs) I believe it is. Do you think that there will be a time where you like yourself and Nikki just become one person?
2: Oh, I'm already there already there i'm already there the only reason i separate a little bit is because i don't want my legal information out on the internet
1: yes and remember friends everyone that's watching don't be an asshole and don't dox anybody because it's really not cool okay <laughs> if I can do it i'm gonna be really upset all right
2: yeah and then you owe me a 100 bucks to my cash app
1: that's right and you have the cash app nikki doe we'll put the we'll put the note put it let's <laughs> finds it <laughs> uh, uh, so this show is probably going to air, uh, uh, Tuesday, uh, next week, whatever day that would be, uh, cause I didn't look it up. <laughs> so I think it's the 27th is actually the day I start up my new job. Um. So you think that everything will be up then uh, for that day, right?
2: At the very least, my website will be live. I've been doing so. That's the other thing. I'm doing everything by myself because I like to know how to do everything. Uh, I want to have something to do for the next 115 days when the restaurants get shut down again. So I want to keep busy.
1: I was so, going. That's why I'm doing all this right now too. Trying yeah. as many as I can. I mean, and I guess that that's a good question too. In New York, like, do you do you think? Or I should say, it's not if, it's when. At this point, right? It's it's going to happen. I don't know
2: because what what if I don't know how many of Cuomo's um, press conferences you guys get to see, but we get them every day at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're having a big issue with certain communities in Brooklyn right now. If you've been following,
1: yes, I have. Actually, the New York Times did a piece on that on the the, the Daily, which is a, a podcast I pretty much I listen to every day. And they did a- Daily. ah (laughs) funniest
2: model loser (laughs) up you
1: guys (laughs) listen I listened to the they were talking about a a community I think it was the ortho was it the orthodox
2: orthodox juice yeah so
1: handling or not sticking with the the social distancing or something they're
2: not yeah they're not they're not respecting since the beginning if you watch videos in march you see a lot of the young boys going around coughing on people because they think it's funny they're (laughs) continuing to have mass gatherings for funerals and cuomo made a comment uh, saying that he met with some of the uh, rabbis explaining how the Torah gives you permission to forsake certain religious rituals if it's going to save a life. So then he was called anti Semitic and all this stuff happened, and then it's just been a mess. But the point of me bringing this up is that during one of these pre- press conferences, when he's trying to target, saying that you can see where these they're called, they're not called hotspots, he calls them clusters, where yeah. these clusters are happening. Um, He said flat out, this is not the indoor dining program that is causing a spike. This is mass gatherings causing a spike in these neighborhoods. So I'm staying positive that maybe we won't shut down bars and restaurants because as of right now, he's not seeing a correlation and a rise in cases in New York City.
1: Well, I think, too, I think, yeah, fingers crossed. I think I, it's, it's also the same conversations you can have about the protests that happened, you know, because I, I work in Philadelphia. I won't mm-hmm. say where, but I work in an area in Center City, Rittenhouse Square. And, I mean, I saw more people at these protests than I have seen in anywhere. Probably the last time I saw a gathering that big was the Rolling Stones concert in, or Bruce Springsteen concert in 2002 uh, at the Lincoln Financial Field. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was probably three or four times that size. And everybody was masked up. yeah everybody was like, Oh, there's going to be a huge spike of cases. Oh, this did is a super spreader event. Not a single person. Like I don't, I don't know of anybody. I didn't hear of any cases in the Philadelphia area that had a spike of coronavirus because the protest is because the masks fucking work. Yeah. Yeah. Use that data and say, Hey, listen, it's from these super spreader events, you know, not, not naming any names uh, with a recent super spreader event in a very public place. uh, But, if we can sort of isolate these specific events and say, you know, this is where it's happening and it's not happening in bars and restaurants because we're taking the proper precautions, then yeah, maybe we'll be able to, to figure this out. But yeah. I, you know, even here in Westchester, you know, I'm still in Chester County now for another 48 hours. Mm-hmm. And uh, a couple, I guess it was about two weeks ago. Um, Westchester borough went into lockdown because so many kids at the university are there still living on, you know, in the town. T- playing beer pong playing fucking beer pong in the middle yeah. of- and they're causing these huge spikes in events yeah. and basically like we're we're shutting down that's it like we are you're on a curfew you can't gather there's going to be fines and stuff and like yeah I mean the science and the data is really it's really leaning towards that so yeah uh, for you too I I know it's I know people in the industry it's, it's the the food and 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 drink industry it's been very very trying for them so
2: well it's a good thing I have a backup plan that- <laughs>
1: a plan in the world here. So um, we'll make sure we link everything in the show notes. Nikki Doe, thank you so much for, for stopping by today. Thank you for asking
2: me to be on.
1: And I appreciate that I was able to be your, uh, your, your coming out party. So welcome, come back anytime. Uh, and I'd love to stop by on your show next time you, uh, you have a chance. I have lots of really great stories. Uh, remind me to tell you the one where I found out that I was uh, uh, sleeping with someone who had a boyfriend that was on active duty in Afghanistan.
2: Oh, that doesn't sound scary at all.
1: That uh, it was one of the worst days of my life. So I'd love to tell that story on your show. The tune yes. in. <laughs> you guys. So thanks so much. I appreciate it. Bye. Thanks again to Nikki Doe for stopping by the podcast today. I apologize for the intermission between episodes. It's been a little wild moving all the way from Coatesville to Pittsburgh, but I'm finally settled and ready to get back in the swing of things, so I'll have plenty of content coming for you soon. If there's anybody you think that I would love to talk to, anybody that you think would be a very interesting person on my show, hit me up on Instagram or Twitter. It's the same handle everywhere. This is Goober. You can find me right there. And remember, all of my previous work is located in the archives at foundationradio.net. If you want to go back and take a listen to the episode where we feature Bill Goldberg, or you want to listen to Asher Roth's interview, or even listen to Cass Haley's live performance inside of Jake Summer's studio, you can definitely check it out all right there. I'll see you again next week, friends. Peace.
0: Foundation Radio is recorded and produced by Adam Barnard and Sam Kreps. Our intro and outro is produced by Dumb Ugly. Leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at Foundation underscore Radio. Find us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Foundation Radio Pod. This has been a Foundation Radio production.